You are listening to the Today I Found Out podcast, where each weekday we provide an interesting story that is going to feed your brain. You can read more great articles like this by going to todayifoundout.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 289 of the Daily Knowledge Podcast from todayifoundout.com. And in the episode today, you're going to learn why tires are black, despite rubber being a naturally white substance. And in the bonus facts section, you're going to learn a whole lot else about rubber. We're then going to have a brief word from one of our fantastic sponsors, Harry's The Shaving Company. We're then going to have a bonus why article about why men's bikes have a horizontal crossbar and women's don't. Let's just get started with today's show. Originally, rubber tires were white, which is the natural color of rubber. So, what happened to cause the switch to black? In the early 1900s, Binney and Smith, who would later switch to selling school products and rename their company after their most popular product, Crayola Crayons, began selling their carbon black chemicals to Goodrich Tire Company, as it was found that the use of carbon black in rubber manufacturing significantly increased certain desirable qualities for rubber meant to be turned into tires. Specifically, carbon black works as a reinforcing filler in rubber, which increases the durability and strength of the rubber. How much? Adding about 50% by weight of carbon black increases the roadwear abrasion of the produced tire by as much as a hundredfold and improves the tensile strength of the tire by as much as 1008%. The tensile strength, for those who don't know, is the amount of force needed to pull something to its breaking or bursting point. Adding carbon black also helps conduct heat away from certain hot spots on the tire, such as in the tread and belt areas, which can get particularly hot at times while driving. This reduces thermal damage on the tire, which further extends its lifespan. From a purely cosmetic standpoint, black tires are also much easier to keep looking clean, which also makes them desirable over natural white rubber tires. Carbon black itself is simply near-pure elemental carbon in its colloidal particle form. It is classically made by charring any organic material. Examples of this are ivory black, made by charring ivory or bones, and lamp black, made from the soot of oil lamps. Carbon black for industrial use today is typically produced as furnace black and thermal black. Furnace black is produced using heavy aromatic oils. Thermal black is produced using natural gas, generally methane, injected into a very hot furnace, where, in the absence of much air, carbon black and hydrogen are produced. And now for today's bonus facts. In modern times, white wall tires or fully white tires are sometimes thought of as more luxurious, particularly on classic cars. However, when fully black tires came out, they were considered the more desirable tire for their prestige and tended only to be found on high-end luxury cars. Bonus fact 2. Rather than using carbon black in shoes, the more common additive to the rubber is fumed silica, which has similar reinforcing properties as carbon black but leaves the rubber white. The downside of using silica-based additives on automotive tires is that they have much worse abrasion wear properties than tires with carbon black. However, they do offer better handling on wet surfaces and have a lower rolling loss, which increases fuel efficiency. Because of this, there are some tires that are starting to be made with silica-based additives instead of carbon black, but this is still relatively rare. Bonus fact 3. Around 70% of all carbon black pigment used in the world today is used for tires. Another 20% goes into belts, hoses, and other such rubber items. Most of the remaining 10% goes into black coatings for items, as well as inks and toner in printing. Bonus fact 4. Binney and Smith, which later became Crayola, is not only credited for making tires black instead of white, but is also the company that originally created the red paint color that is now traditional on barns, which was a red oxide pigment. 
Bonus fact 5. No one knows exactly where the word tire derives from. The leading theories are that it either derives from attire or to tie. The earliest tires were simply bands of iron or other metal. The application of the metal band to the wooden wheels was accompanied by heating the metal tire, then placing it over the wooden wheel. Next, they would douse it in cold water, which would cause the metal to rapidly contract and secure itself to the wheel, with the outer ring tying the wheel together, hence the proposed tie origin. Bonus fact 6. The first practical pneumatic tire was developed by John Boyd Dunlop, who was originally a veterinarian. He created the tire to help his son, who suffered from headaches when riding his bike. The rubber tire made for a much smoother ride for him on rough roads than wooden wheels. So, just before we get into the bonus Y article, I'd like to give a big shout out to one of our fantastic sponsors, Harry's The Shaving Company. Now, Harry's started out with a simple mission. They wanted to make shaving so it doesn't suck and that it's not really expensive, which before it kind of was. So, Harry's make very high-quality blades. They all are manufactured in their factory in Germany. $15 gets you a razor, moisturizing shave cream, and three razor blades. Now, I don't know how much you were paying before for razors, but I was paying way more than that for way less. It's a great experience. It's a clean, close, and comfortable shave. And if you go to harrys.com and use the coupon code DAILY, you're going to get $5 off your first purchase, and that's just because you're a listener to this podcast. Again, that's harrys, H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com, and enter coupon code DAILY at checkout for $5 off. There's free shipping direct to your door, so you don't even need to leave your house to get your blades. harrys.com, enter coupon code DAILY at checkout to save $5. Start your better shaving experience today. Alright, so let's move on to our bonus why article for today, which is about the differences between men's and women's bicycles. Why men's bikes have a horizontal crossbar and women's bikes typically don't. It would seem that having a slanted crossbar, like on women's bikes, would make much more sense for men's bikes, decreasing the chance of racking the guy if he does something like slip off the pedals. However, there is actually a really good reason to have a horizontal crossbar on a bike. Namely, the horizontal crossbar ends up adding quite a bit of strength to the frame of the bike. This was particularly important in some of the early bikes, which were often made of significantly weaker materials than modern-day frames, occasionally even being made out of wood. The problem with this horizontal crossbar was that women all used to wear dresses. So when a woman wanted to get on a bike, she'd have to lift her leg over the frame's crossbar, which was quite scandalous for the time, as it often exposed quite a bit of leg and possibly some underwear under her dress. Thus, bike makers began making bike models for just women that slanted the top crossbar down so that women could mount and dismount the bikes without lifting their legs very high. Modifying the crossbar like that significantly weakened the frames of the bicycles, but this was considered acceptable as it wasn't very ladylike for women to ride their bikes as roughly as some men anyways. This tradition has continued to this day, even though most women don't go around riding bikes in dresses or skirts anymore. For the most part, on modern bikes, this weakening of the frame by slanting the crossbar isn't significant enough to cause any concern for bikes, even on rough terrain, given the modern materials that the frames are made of. Indeed, many BMX bikes for men are now designed with the slanted crossbar to reduce the chance of injury while doing tricks. However, among higher-end bikes made for women, this tradition of not having a horizontal crossbar is starting to go away, even though the added strength from a horizontal crossbar isn't typically necessary anymore, particularly with carbon fiber frames. 
On these high-end bikes, the differences between the men's and the women's bikes now tends to be reflected in the design by accounting for shorter torsos and arms on most women, modified hip placement, modified seat design, and things of this nature. You just listened to an episode of the Today I Found Out daily podcast. Tune in every weekday for another great episode, or find more articles at todayifoundout.com.